0: Hi, and welcome to Be the Flagship with our podcast host, Jeff Parsons. This is where we tackle the day-to-day talent management challenges you face, particularly in hospice and small healthcare organizations. And now, over to our host. Take it away, Jeff. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to Be the Flagship. I'm your podcast host, Jeff Parsons. I hope you had a great holiday season and you're ready to get 2024 off to a great start. I know I am, so I've dedicated all of the episodes in January to topics related to process improvement and healthcare. So I hope you brought a notepad and a pen because you're really going to want to take notes. And we're starting off with an exceptional guest speaker. So let's take a quick break and I'll be back with the introduction. Is your team in need of alignment? Do you need to develop your team through a team building event? If so, contact a team building expert today. Contact Jeff at 1-800-530-4189, extension 101, and take your team to the next level. Okay, let's talk about our guest speaker, and his name is Terry Norris, MBA, and a Lean Certified Master Black Belt. He is a full-time Lean Consultant speaker and author of the book, How to Make Lean Work in Your Hospital. He has trained over 1,800 hospital leaders and 150-plus hospitals on lean concepts, principles, and specifically on how to lead a lean transformation. As a consultant, he's helped multiple hospitals develop a lean strategic implementation plan. He's led dozens of frontline rapid improvement events in all major hospital departments, saving millions of dollars through efficiencies and significantly increasing revenue through new strategic options. Terry's lean experience is diverse and extensive. He's provided lean consulting services for the federal government, the military, and multiple industries. Some of these industries include manufacturing, healthcare, care, pharmaceuticals, airlines, construction, public utilities, professional services and cellular services. Terry also served in the U.S. Air Force for 25 plus years. Thank you for your service Terry. In his last role he was the lean leader for a complex organization with 5,500 people at five locations in four European countries. Terry established the organization's lean structure and developed a strategic and tactical plan that delivered 55 major improvement projects, saving millions of dollars through direct savings and cost avoidance. Terry has also taught graduate and undergraduate courses in lean deployment, strategic management leadership, operations management, and project management for 18 years. So again, we're privileged and honored to have with us today, Terry Norris. So Terry, thank you for joining us today. For sure. Thanks for the opportunity. So this episode is uh, an introduction to lean in healthcare. So let's just start with lean itself, Terry. So can you briefly tell us... The origins of Lean, where it came from?
1: Yes, and I will give you just that a brief, (laughs) brief overview of it. So, (laughs) because it's quite detailed and it goes back for centuries, the little nuances and the tools and things like that. But Toyota originated, or Toyota, Lean originated with Toyota from the Toyota production system. And that's really the origin of lean as we know it today. You can say Toyota production system or lean, and you're essentially saying the same thing. There's been a few minor changes uh, in America, especially with the, the uh, lean compared to that. But it's very, very close. It's, again, almost the same. Okay. So, again, with Toyota, so it sounds like a
0: manufacturing concept. So, can you define lean health care?
1: Yes, and and um, I will say too, it it is definitely was a manufacturing concept. The it, it was used there, and the ideas and the concepts came from there. Um, but the principles and the ability to solve problems and to make things better and all that—that's very universal. But and and I'd like to preface the definition of healthcare too by saying it this way: when I got into lean kind of full-time especially when i was on my own as an independent lean consultant and i'm talking to people about it when i give the standard definition of lean talking about a management system to eliminate waste and all that most people would um i could just almost literally see them starting to yawn so i realized early on that in order for people to understand really what lean should be I, i created a different description so Anyways, this is the description that I came up with to help people understand lean healthcare, and really lean in general. But it goes like this, lean is a function of leadership, a secret weapon that will significantly improve patient care and give your hospital an unfair competitive advantage. Lean healthcare is a system-wide strategy for achieving excellence. And then that's really the big part I want leadership to understand. And then I go on with a a couple of bullets or three bullets. By creating value from the customer's perspective. By creating a culture of continuous performance improvement and working to eliminate all waste of resources and time. By creating high quality stable processes and emphasizing respect for people throughout the organization. So that definition is really more of a description, although it includes what you would generally hear from the definition, but it helps people see that it's much bigger than just tools and eliminating waste, which is not really clear to a lot of people anyway when you first say that. So hopefully it helps people understand what you're getting into when you say you want to get into lean health care.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm aware of uh, healthcare care professionals who have attended uh, lean in healthcare certification workshops, and one of their frustrations is that when they walk away, they're still, in their mind, is is not that link, uh, you know, in terms of knowledge versus application. So hopefully we can address that as we have our discussion. So let's get into, I mean, Lean has numbers, right? Uh, you know, two Lean pil- pillars, five principles of Lean, eight types of ways. So let's start with the two Lean pillars. What are they?
1: The two lean pillars are continuous improvement and respect for people. And this is from the Toyota Way model house. And within those two pillars, uh, when I do lean training, I tell folks, I say, listen, you know, I realize that some of you guys are never going to become lean zealots, but there are things that you're going to listen to, you're going to hear, you're going to learn that can help you no matter what you ever do. And this is, these are a couple of those. So the idea of continuous improvement, when I think of that, and I think of the fifth principle of lean perfection, which we may get to, they're really interconnected. And so, to say continuous improvement, just one—the well, idea, the words—kind of give you what the idea is: to continuously make things better and continue to do so over time. But unless that becomes part of your culture and the mindset of the people that work there. Uh, it's not, it's probably not going to happen. And that's more the general idea of continuous improvement is changing the culture and having a mindset where people think that way. So the second pillar is respect for people. And with that, it can make all the difference in the world with the first pillar, that the idea of changing the culture. But when you think of respect for people, people generally think of what's most common, that you treat people like you want to be treated, that you're kind, that you ask for people's opinion, and all of that is true, and things like schedule, work-life balance should all be taken into consideration, but with lean, the idea of respect for people is a bit different. The idea of, it's more like, uh, the best way I can describe it is think back in your life when somebody, whether it's a parent or a coach or a music teacher or a professor, somebody they pushed you to perform better than you are currently performing. They, they didn't allow the mediocre or even the, the, just the normal good. They, they pushed you. Those are the people that we generally think about, that we respect, that we admire, that, that brought us along, that helped us become who we are now. And that's more the idea of respect for people. So when you have a culture where you're pushing people, you're challenging people, you're pushing in a good way, but you're challenging them to become better and better and better. Those are the, that's the type of organization, the culture with the continuous improvement and respect for people that can really make all the difference in the world. Okay, that's that's
0: interesting, and it's certainly when you when you describe it in that manner, it's certainly universal to all types of businesses and industries and organizations. It's a mindset, and it's a cultural phenomenon.
1: Yes, absolutely true. Most of the things that we will talk about. They, they work in the, same, in the same way. They would be applicable across industry. Uh, so let's talk about the five principles of lean, Terry. Okay. With a quick summary, the five principles are value, value stream, flow, and perfection. And I'll talk just a little bit about each. So for me, value and value stream are easier to explain together. But the idea of value is what's considered value. From the perspective of the customer, and we all think that sort of, you know, intuitively, well, that's that's kind of a norm. However, with, when you look at it from a lean perspective, we go just a little bit deeper. We're the idea of lean and the value. It's an emphatic about voice of the customer, understanding what the customer wants, and then the value streams are all the steps in the process. And because of that, we, it forces us, even if we have 150 steps, we look at each one and say, does that add value? Does that add value all the way through? And then we have a much better picture of what adds value from the customer's perspective. So value stream is simply all the steps in the process. And the third, prin- or third principle is flow. And the idea that that value flows perfectly without stop, without rework, it just flows nicely. And a matter of fact, all the tools that we use and everything that we do generally is to help things flow, help processes flow by eliminating waste and all of that. And then you have pull, which is probably one of the least understood, I would suppose, especially outside of manufacturing. But I'll give you a quick healthcare example, um, and I will try to not get into the great level of details, but this this actually happened, and the story isn't exaggerated to make a point. But I was doing observations in surgery one morning at a mid-sized hospital, and at eight o'clock in the morning, all the people that were having surgeries for the whole day were already checked in. And I asked the registration director there, the uh, patient access director, I said, uh, "So, where's everybody at? You know?" And they were—they're like, "They've all been checked in." And the, the individual was serious, so I said, "Okay." And even if they had a surgery at two thirty, like, "Yes." So I went to the pre-op area and of course there was a lot of people there you know I saw I asked the people that worked there I said so what does your patients think of this you know and they were very nice people they're like just smile and said they hate it you know especially the one that have later surgeries and then I went into the Holden area which where they repeated the same thing that happened in pre-op and it was near surgery in another floor and there was a lot of people there a lot of people there people that were going to be having surgery several hours later so there's much more to that story, but the idea is that they, they pushed people through the system. Registration wasn't ready to have all that, that many people come in at 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Pre-op wasn't ready to handle that many people in surgery. It definitely wasn't. So they pushed them through the system. So if it was pulled, they would have scheduled the surgeries an hour and a half or whatever the workup time was prior to surgery throughout the day. Have people come in, do pre-op, and go straight into surgery. Pre-op, straight into surgery throughout the day, and that's more the idea of cool. And then the last one's perfection that I've hit on a little bit already, and that's the idea where your people they start they start thinking that idea of continuous improvement, and they're trained, they're taught, they understand how to do it, and they're rewarded for doing it, and they're always looking and thinking that way. How can I make something better? And the technical definition is, you know, to continuously work to eliminate all waste of resources and time. And that is correct. But if you can't get that in the mindset of the people, it won't go very far. So in summary, it's value, value stream, flow pool, and perfection.
0: Thank you, Terry. And that's a a great example, by the way. Uh, So, you know, lean really focuses on waste elimination uh that's my understanding at least correct me if i'm wrong so can you walk us through the various types of waste
1: yes and and it's funny it's like lean one of the most well-known things i suppose even if you just take a course on lean or whatever you're gonna say well lean is about eliminating waste which is true but i feel like waste gets all of the uh, notoriety when it's really flow you know why do we even bother eliminating waste and do all that stuff it's because we want things to flow but Toyota came up with something they refer to as seven deadly wastes. And one of the things that made them so successful is because they relentlessly go after these seven deadly wastes. Now, over time, there has been one added, and I'll mention that when I get get to that. But uh, of the, the eight types of waste are motion, transportation, waiting, defects, inventory, and it's really excess inventory, overproduction, overprocessing, and then the eighth one is underutilization of your staff, of your folks, and I can give you just one or two examples that each in a healthcare environment, like for defects, it could be incorrect or missing information on forms, repeat visits, things like anything that goes wrong, defects is probably the easiest one to explain, for waiting, okay, I take it back. Waiting is the easiest one. We've all done that in all on all aspects of our life. But waiting for results, waiting to see a doctor, waiting for transportation, and inventory again, excess inventory having more than what you need, and there's a lot can be said about that. But I'll leave it at that. Overproduction is a little bit less understood. But it's really doing more than you're required to do and doing it sooner than required to do. And that one can be confusing, especially in a competitive environment. It's like, well, don't you want us to do more? And the answer is we want to give the customer more than they expect. Yes, but do we want to do more in our processes? No. Example, mixing 10 doses of medication when you only need seven. Uh, Making multiple copies of forms that are rarely used. That's overproduction. Overprocessing is good more to something than required. So um, let's say you need three signatures for something, but you really only need two, but you have to get three. That would be overprocessing, multiple reviews, approval, things like that. Transportation is moving things. Moving things or people unnecessarily so excessively doing more than required. Moving patients, specimens, supplies, equipment, long distances, multiple bed assignments, moving patients, things like that. Motion uh, is moving yourself, basically searching for patients, looking for supplies, reaching across things in an unsafe way. It's movement. It's human movement. And the underutilization of people is the one that's been added over time. And when Toyota was asked, "Well, why don't you include that?" it was more like, "Well, that's that's a given. We're going to do that. We're going to utilize our people." So they think just a little bit differently. But so if you have people and there's no cross training, there's no capturing best practices, no considering uh, like considering suggestions, ideas, things like that, that would be considered some examples of underutilizing people. So. Let's talk about the st-
0: standard work. Uh, you refer to it as the heart of lean. So can you tell us more about that?
1: Yes. For So for standard work, in order to be lean at all or to even pretend to be lean, you have to have standard work. And I have over the years became, uh, it's became one of my, I don't know, you hate to say passion, but it's one of the things that I understand that if you don't do it, you're not going to be able to be lean. You're not going to have the highest level of consistent quality and things like that. So the idea of standard work is simply everyone doing the same job the best-known way. And then when somebody makes it better, everybody makes an adjustment and makes it better as well. And that's really the you know the most basic definition, but it's the one that I found that people understand the most. And it's funny, too, as we just talk about standard work, people sometimes resist it. They're like, you know, I'm not a robot. I, you know, I have... Um, You know, I'm a human, so I make different decisions and things like that. I prefer to do it this way. And I I understand that. And honestly, I felt that way before in my lifetime, early in my life, in my career. But when you think about it from a broader perspective, you want people to do things the same way, right? It reduces variation. So if you show up for an appointment today, it doesn't matter who's working. You're going to get the same level of service. But if you don't have standard work, you're just hoping and praying that this other person's working and not that one, because, you know, they do things quite differently. So we want people to do things standardized. It makes it easier to train. It makes you, you know, it helps your quality go up. Your safety is much better. So standard work is a big, big deal when it comes to lean. Gotcha. So,
0: Terry, let's talk about how lean applies to small health care when, when I'm say small health care, I'm referring to, you know, hospice and home health and and uh, you know smaller hospitals and things of that nature. So talk to me about how it applies to small health care.
1: In general, it applies the same in general, and then we can talk about specifics as we think about what are some of the issues and problems that people in small health care come up against, especially when you think of one person going into someone's home, or in the case of hospice or home health care, either one. So it helps people, you know, go back to those those most famous words, eliminates waste in their processes, and things like that. But, again, that generally doesn't mean anything to people unless you look at what the process is and what does that really mean. Can I spend less time doing something that I do now but actually make it safer and a higher level of quality? So that elimination of waste, that looking at your processes like that, is, you know, is a way, again, very general. Communication is improved in a lean organization, so whether it's a small or large, how you communicate and how you communicate results and things like that are looked at, and that is improved. Safety and quality, as I mentioned, is a big part of the improvement because of the standardization. So I've worked in organizations where, and I've surveyed organizations where they've had, let's say, 15 people go out in the home care. They have 15 different nurses goes out. And I'm pretty sure that the 15 different nurses did things 15 different ways, you know, because that's just sort of human nature anyway. There was no emphasis on standard work. But if you train people in a certain way, and of course there were certain protocols for each, but that, that basic type of training with all of the different nurses, that mm-hmm. means that that particular company would deliver the same level of care, ideally, throughout, you know, with all the different people, 15 different folks, no matter who went out. So standard work is pretty important in a small or large uh, organization. And when you start looking at things like uh, metrics and a couple of things that say, okay, did we do good today? How do we know if we did good? We look at those metrics and it helps us, it really starts uncovering problems and things that we don't really talk about much. We just kind of live with or do workarounds or whatever we need to do. And when you can eliminate some of the things that waste time, it helps the nurses in particular people that are dealing with people spend more time with the people whether a nurse or different staff it, it helps eliminate those i don't know things that frustrate throughout the day that just um i'll share this one of the things i've done survey work and some of it when you ask questions like something that happens poorly how long how, how often does that happen people will say uh, I don't know. I never really tracked it. What? Does it happen weekly? Oh, yeah, yeah. Three or four times? Yes. Yes, for sure. You know, So you have something happen three or four times a week at least, every week, and it's never dealt with. In a lean environment, you would look at that and you'd say, that's a problem. You would identify it and then you would take some action to make it better, make it go away, make an improvement. So you're not dealing with the same thing. So just like in a big organization, you can use the same ideas, the concepts, the principles to make things better, smoother, safer, higher quality for everybody that's involved. Thank you, Terry. So let's wrap up our discussion
0: today, Terry, and uh, we'll pick it back up next week on why lean fails and uh, and what we can do about it in healthcare. Uh, Let's go to a commercial, then let's come back. I'll end this episode with a quote. And we'll go from there. Do you need to schedule a strategic planning session, but don't want it to waste your team's time? If so, you need an expert facilitator who knows how to make the most of your session and give you the deliverables you need. Contact Jeff today at 1-800-530-4189. Extension 101. Get your new year off to a great start with a great strategic planning session. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I would like to end it with a quote from a legendary NFL coach by the name of Vince Lombardi. Uh, And uh, the quote is, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. And again, that's by the great legendary Vince Lombardi. I hope that gives you some encouragement to move forward with your process improvement initiatives. I look forward to you joining us again next week when we continue our discussion with Terry on lean and healthcare. Goodbye, everyone. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Flagship with Jeff Parsons. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did like it, please subscribe and share with others. Until next time, take the step to become the flagship in your marketplace.